yours truly, Big Out the Quarterback. And today we're in Tampa, Florida at Benton Media Lounge. And guess who I got? My very, 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 very special guest. He's special because I said he's special. <laughs> hey, what's happening with you, Angel? What's up, man? Man, come on, man. I need you to talk to the people. You know, I get a chance to talk to you all the time. Yes, we do. And um, just know this, man, before we start and get into our interview, I definitely want to give you your flowers. I want to let you know that I salute you. And I've seen the many different things that you've done over the years in private and contributions that you've made. So I definitely want to let you know you got your flowers from me and I'm going to let everybody on my podcast know that you're a great guy outside of business, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to get right to it because it's a lot of different aspects when it comes to you because most people, uh, they know you from the Benton records. And so even though you were definitely a force back then. I just want to let the people know that we used to utilize some of the intel that we got from you to see how much traction records could get and how to be able to push them in other record, you know, in other capacities. Mm -hmm. So again, man, um, what I like to say is this: going from back then, right, from being records where it, where it started, right? Did you ever think? that 20, 25 years later, you would still be in the business? Man, that is a loaded question. <laughs> now, I'm gonna tell you why. Because when we, let's, let's clarify one thing real quick. Benton Records was a record store. Because a lot of people might think, a lot of people who might not know the story, okay. might think it's a record label. Okay. Which at one point it was too. Mm -hmm. But Benton Records was a vinyl record shop and we catered specifically to the DJs. Okay. And when we opened Benton Records, the record store, I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, I had no business opening a record store. I just, I just, I used to DJ. Okay. The record store was my happy place, so I wanted a record store, so I just did it. Right. But um, I didn't think it was gonna develop into this, you know, lifelong career for me. I really, I really didn't. Okay. So I'm as surprised as anyone else. Okay. <laughs> Well, man, when I look at that, um, because, again, I'm a student of the game, um, you went, because at the time, we called you guys a mom and pop, because believe it or not, outside of what you guys knew about me, I was working physically in distribution. Mm -hmm. And so you went from basically buying from the distributors to becoming a distributor. Yeah, yes, we did. And how did that happen, man? Like, how did that happen? Did you see that coming? No, no, <laughs> no, I, none of it. Touching real quick on the mom and pop shop. The reason why that was important is because in that time, so there was no MP3s, there was no downloads, there was no digital media, it was only physical. People had to go into a store to buy a CD, a cassette, or a record. Correct. And the industry kept track of what was being sold by the barcodes on that physical product. So when you, you know, when you go to the store today and they scan the barcode, there's a whole mechanism behind the scenes that kept track of that sale. Mm -hmm. The industry considered a sale at a mom and pop store to be more important than a sale at a chain store. 
So if we had, just using round numbers, a hundred, you know, sales of a Beyonce at a mom and pop shop, that was more important than a thousand at a Walmart. Because it just told the industry that shops like ours were more in touch with, with what was happening locally at that, in that place. And Benton Records was one of a handful of mom and pop stores in the whole state of Florida. It was maybe half a dozen of us. Right. So we ended up having a lot of power that we never asked for, that we didn't realize it wasn't, it wasn't sought out. We just, somebody said to me, hey, you should register to, with SoundScan. So I was like, okay, and I registered with SoundScan. Right. I would scan the sales and those numbers would go on to the whole industry. And before we know it, people started paying attention. You know, and that's that's kind of one of the one of the things that put us on the map. Now, uh, to answer your question, going from a distributor, from buying from distributors to becoming a distributor. That's elite. When I just said it, when I opened a record store, I had no business opening a record store. One of the challenges was how do I buy records to resell? Right. There was no Google, so I couldn't Google it. I just told my age. There was no Google when I opened the record store. I had to go to the library and look at books to try to figure out how to do all this. And because I was a DJ, I once I looked at a record and it had a phone number on it. And I called that number and said, hey, how do you guys sell your record? Like, who do you use? And that's how I learned how to buy from distributors. The record store lasted what it lasted. It died. I decided I was not gonna be in the music industry no more. I was mad at it. Yeah, we all did that. <laughs> I was I was mad at it because everybody went digital and I didn't know of, I didn't have a place. There was no place for me, right? In my mind. And you didn't pivot at the time. At the time, right. I I, I, I had done the record store thing and the conference thing for so long that I just didn't know where to fit. Until a good friend of mine said, Hey, you should open a record label. You sort a record label. And I'm like, I'm definitely not doing that. I'm not. I did. He talked me into it. I did. We bought back Benton Records, but this time as a record label. And the whole world had changed. It was a digital world now. It was a digital world. And, and what we were doing was we were reaching out to our friends to say, hey, you know, we can help you distribute your, your music. At the time, digital distribution was so new that a lot of artists were uh, intimidated by the process. Correct. They just didn't know because we were caught in a, in a place where we thought we still needed some big guy to distribute us. And we didn't really know that we could do it ourselves. And I, by fortune, again, found myself in a spot where I knew how to distribute. And I just basically was distributing for other people. The record label became the vehicle for distribution. We were using another distributor to distribute our, our, our product. Mm -hmm. We did that for a couple of years and then I realized, well, wait, I'm not really doing anything because you have all these distributors out there. Artists could sign up with any of the distributors and basically do it themselves. Correct. And, and you know, I, I didn't really, I, feel, I didn't feel very good about the spot we were in because we weren't developing artists. We weren't investing in their careers. We were, we were basically just taking their music and putting it on the road. So I reached out to them. I said, hey guys, you could do this yourselves. And they're like, well, now we still want you to do it. I'm like, okay. Uh, looking at the numbers, it wasn't fair for them, you know, because they were, you know, out of every dollar that they made, the distributor would keep their 35 cents. We would keep our 25 cents. They were lucky if they got half of that dollar. 
Correct. And I just didn't think that was simple math fair for them. Right. I didn't think it was the best situation for them. So we took the beefs and bounds and we went out and got our own contracts with the DSPs. DSP is a digital service provider, which is your Spotify, your Amazon, your Google. Basically, these are wherever you listen to music as a digital service provider. Went and got our contracts and then invested in the platform to become our own digital distributors. So um, we hired a company, they did a crappy job, we scrapped it, hired someone else, and now we have, um, we distribute under the, the, the title, the name of Distro by Benton. That's our platform for distribution. And, um, and that's what it was. It just came out of a place of wanting to do what was best for our clients who most of them were our friends at the time. Right. We wanted them to get the piece of the pie that I felt they deserved. And see, that's another thing. And I'm glad you shared your story because one of the, the goals of this platform is to let other entrepreneurs know that we've all had doubt. We've all been to some bad places in our mind. Yes. Uh, some of us have wanted to quit. And we've all had to deal with life. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, some of the, no matter how much you plan, because I'm Mr. Planner, I'm Mr. Time Management, um, but sometimes something good and necessity does breed invention. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I'd like to touch on, I've seen you evolve. So we've already talked about um, you had a record store. Um, we've already talked about, you know, you from a distribution platform and so today now i had the privilege of kind of looking around the studio prior to you opening but when i walked in today it was just such great energy and to see what you guys have done with the place can you let them know about the studio and some of the services that you're going to be offering and by the way we are shooting in the studio today but go ahead <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh, we have wanted a studio for years. Okay. We've been trying to find the right place. Anytime we got wind of someone selling their studio, we try to reach out to them. We've been, and and you said earlier about being an entrepreneur and coming coming across roadblocks and, and feeling right. like it's just not gonna work. And there was times that I felt like that specifically with opening a studio. Opening right. a studio has been a dream for us for a while, and. Um, and the key there is this persistence. Is you, you can't let doubt sneak in because the minute you let the minute you let doubt move in, it's okay if doubt visits, right? Like doubt could be that one friend that comes through every once in a while, and you're like, oh, fuck. you gotta open the door, right? You can't right. just leave them outside, but you can't let them stay, right? You can't let them stay, right? So it's like, okay, yeah, you're here, cool. Now you gotta get out, right? Uh, once you let doubt move in, uh, it becomes really difficult to kick them out, like. You know what I mean? Like you gotta go to court, you gotta get the eviction notice. It becomes a pain to get to kick doubt out. So um so doubt would come and visit every once in a while, but I never let him stay in. Right. And we were really fortunate to find this beautiful space. Oh, uh, it needed a lot of love. And that's what we did. We put a lot of love into it. We we got the keys. It was it was ugly in here, it was dark, it was the, the windows were boarded up, it was black and gray, it was not pleasant. It's beautiful now. <laughs> hey, don't let him fool you. Hey, he's a very modest guy. But right now, wait till y'all come. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
you know, we, we sat out there in the lobby and we said, what are we going to do with this? And I said, I said to Carol, Carol's my wife, I said, um, I want to try to duplicate that feeling we had at the record store. And that's what we did. Every single thing that we did was to try to make people feel welcome, comfortable, like take your shoes off, like for real, take your shoes off, for real, you know, have a snack, have a drink, relax and be creative. We try to give a space where people can feel so comfortable that creativity just flows. Uh, as far as services, um, we are going to, re you know, offer recording services, obviously we're a studio. But I purposely kept the name studio, the word studio out of the name. Okay, okay. You know, because we don't want to get pigeonholed as a studio because there's a lot of things that we can do in this space. Other than recording, we have a, a room upstairs that's used for band rehearsal. The acoustics in that room are beautiful. Eventually, we are going to record in that space as well, okay. which I think a lot of people are looking forward to because right. of... Uh, the wood creates a unique sound that you can't just duplicate anywhere. Okay. There's no booth that you can duplicate that sound. So we're going to record there. Uh, we are offering uh, podcast services. We are uh, we have space for producers to come knock out some beats. And then uh, music classes is something high on my list that we really want to do is, is uh, give up a, a space for the children to come learn i mean i, I guess adults too but right, right right you know come learn how to play the drums the guitar dj various lessons and then uh, my personal pet project is i want to work closely with songwriters and composers to uh, write songs for for placements specifically for sync licensing see that's like what i that's my pet project yeah it is so look y'all just found out <laughs> that angel love the kids Yes. And songwriters, look, you don't have to go all the way to Atlanta. You don't have to go to L.A. to be a part of something like this. Now this is offered right here. And so I got one more question for you. And the question, even though it's for you, is really to help my audience. Let, because again, I'm going to always speak life to the entrepreneurs. I understand what my platform is. Of course, I love the music business. I'm never going anywhere. But I'm letting some of the new entrepreneurs know that when you're trying to scale and grow your business, it is probably going to take some money. And so because of that, I'm asking them, and I know other people that are in position don't agree with what I'm saying, but I'm asking them to keep their jobs until their business can sustain itself. Because when you don't do this, and I want you to chime in just from your personal experience, mm -hmm. the bills are going to keep coming. Yes. Other expenses are going to pop up and that's enough pressure by itself. So imagine a person out here you know, everybody don't have rich parents or a rich fund or things of that nature. So I'm just a big advocate. And I know it's not popular in hip hop, but I'm a stand on what I'm saying. It's okay to have a job in a nine to five while you're putting your dream together. Um, I'm about to be brutally honest. Let's get it. So um, I am a serial entrepreneur. No doubt. I've sold everything under the sun. 
everything. <laughs> Which will be done the podcast. With that being said, it started with a record store. Well, I mean, I had other businesses before that, but the record store is what started this right this this journey. Right. I had a job. I had a great paying job uh, with uh, Verizon, and I decided I was going to quit my job to open a record store. Six months later, Carol says, hey, can you pick up some milk on your way home? And I said to Carol, there is no money for milk. Oh, man. Oh, man. Y'all getting the real. See, I, I would never guess that, but okay. There is no money for milk. Because I thought I just got to open the record store up. I mortgaged my home to open the record store. Risk. Taker, oh man, I thought I knew you, man. And I, I lost, you. and I lost the home. Yeah, because I couldn't pay the mortgage that I took out to open the record store. No one in Tampa knows that story. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I didn't. Know. And and with that being said, um, don't get me wrong, I do it again in a heartbeat. However, I'm grown now, and I understand that risk has to be calculated. Calculated risk. It has to be calculated. And sometimes we're in such a rush to go because we want the results now. And most of the mistakes we make, especially as entrepreneurs, is because we rush. As human beings, but as entrepreneurs, rushing is where we make the mistakes, the most mistakes. Hold on, I'm sorry. I'm not cutting you off, Angel. Can you say that one more time? Because hold on, I'm guilty of that. And I have learned to slow down and do it right rather than fast. But can you just say that one more time? Because me and you, we didn't even have this conversation. But you touched on it. Please tell the audience one more time. Absolutely. Most of the mistakes that we make as human beings, and especially as an entrepreneur, is when we try to rush, try to get things done too fast. This society has us thinking that if it doesn't right away, happen right away, it's not going to happen. I have looked for a studio space for five years and there is absolutely no space better than the one that I have today. It took us seven years to start our own distribution company. And I love our platform and our customers do too. And it's probably gonna take me another 10 years to where I can retire. Today, I still have my nine to five. I get up, I work from 8.30, to five o'clock at my job. Sometimes I'll take some time to do music stuff, but not too much. Hope my boss isn't listening. Okay. <laughs> and um, I stop, go walk, do something to shake it off, turn around and work on music, typically till one in the morning, sometimes one third. So from six to one, there's dinner in there and time with the grandkids and whatnot. But that's almost six, seven days a week. Sometimes I'll take half a Sunday off. My father always said to me, the day has 24 hours. It's what you do with it that matters. So you have to make it happen. You have to chase that dream. You have to take the risk, but that risk has to be calculated. You don't want to set yourself up for failure. And when it comes to business, cash flow is king. If you don't have enough cash, to keep you floated for minimum three months. It really should be six months. You should have six months of expenses 
on reserve just in case something happens. If you don't, just wait. Just wait. The right opportunity will come through as long as you work towards that dream every single day. If you skip a day, it's like losing three because you lose the momentum. You have to work on it every single day. Look, I'm just glad that you spoke on that again. I just learned something that I didn't know. And this is really what this show is about because somebody's going to hear what you said. And remember, we always see you, you smiling, you joking, you helping everybody else. So we didn't know that happened during your journey. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you, one, being candid. Two, I appreciate you being transparent. And that is what QB Talk, the podcast, is about. Of course, we're going to have some music and some countdowns and some featured artists. But when this came to me, I said the entrepreneurs don't have a place to fellowship. And we don't talk to each other. And sometimes we try to carry a lot of weight, a lot of load, a lot of burdens internally. And the outside world would never know. No, not they never know. All right. They shouldn't know. They shouldn't know. They shouldn't know. And then some people would use that against you. But because of that, I know that people in the comfort of their own listening setting can hear something from us. And if we help one person per podcast, I'm happy with that. So I know you guys are used to me doing all of the things that get to the money. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you. I'm excited about this podcast. I'm playing the long game and I'm getting the calls that I need to get from people like us that's saying, Amp, somebody got to tell our story. Yeah. And so the last thing I want to say to you before we actually close out, I'm a big fan of evolution. I'm a big fan of elevation. And so when I think of Benton Records to what it is right now, it's like I see both. And so you definitely encourage me. And I just want you to keep going. And I'm speaking life. And anything that I can do for the studio, anything that my platform can do for you. And I'm definitely, y'all got to kick me out, man. <laughs> I, listen to me. Y'all going to have to kick me out. Like, look, look, man. Call the police right now and say, quarterback won't leave. Because I love this place, man. Good, good. That's what we're hoping. We're hoping everybody that comes in here says the exact same thing. Okay. Well, is there anything that you want to say before we get out of here? Because this interview actually blessed me, so I know it's going to bless somebody else. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, every episode has been on point um, to keep doing what you're doing because you're definitely going the right path. And anyone out there um, that you know has any questions that I can help, in any possible way, whether it's music related or business related, or just just need someone to talk to, man. That's what we do. And, and you know what? I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna close. What you just said is what I would like to say, but if it came from me, it would look like I'm saying that I'm better or I'm higher than somebody else. But I have people that I talk to in private and that sometimes just when they can release the pressure out the valve, it rejuvenates them to go back and fight. And that's all I want my entrepreneurs to do. 
stay in the game. Yeah, man. And understand it's a marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a way. There's always a solution. Entrepreneurship uh, is my creative release. You have to be creative to be an entrepreneur. And uh, just you know, whatever is the problem that you're facing, stop. And I promise you, there's a solution for it. You just haven't seen it yet because you're too close to it. Take a step back. You did forget one thing, though. What's I've that? I've been waiting this whole time. Okay, what? Well, I slipped. Okay, help yeah. me out. I'm supposed to get in what I fit in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, see, I was going to do that on the outro, but let me say this, man. QB Talk, the podcast, get in what you fit in. Get in what you fit in. <laughs>